0: As a Catholic Buddhist, I can't resist uh, in this time. It's Christmas time uh, to talk about Jesus. I'm always looking forward to <laughs> <laughs> And uh, there is a book, an old book by Lama Yeshe, who is the founder of the FPMT, the organization, the center belongs to, it's called uh, Silent Mind, Holy Mind. And it is a collection of talks he gave um, in Kopan Monastery in Nepal at Christmas time. (coughs) And so I thought since Lama Yeshe is doing it, I can also do it. (laughs) And just to start with the quote from Nama Yeshe. That's him, Nama Yeshe. Just one sentence which kind of summarize, summarizes this evening. If you really understood, you would recognize that what Jesus taught was, quote unquote, love. It is as simple and as profound as that. So love here as a mystery, not not, uh, as uh, something we can define, something which is and will remain a mystery, but something in us really knows what love, in the context of mentioning Jesus, means. So I would like to ask you for this evening to drop all the kind of negative connotation one might have with church and Jesus. So I'm going to try to do that. One challenge we have, not only in the Christian teachings, but also in the Buddhist teachings, is that we take myth as literal. So people discuss and discuss, is there really something like a virgin birth or something like that? And that's a complete misunderstanding of these stories. So in the Buddhist teachings you could also discuss, was Padmasambhava born from a lotus? Obviously not. (laughs) Was was, uh, Jesus born from a virgin? Obviously not. But uh, there's a mythic state in the world's religion where the practitioners take these stories literally. And then, what we miss is uh, that they are actually describing spiritual experience, mystic experience. So, we, we, when we see these stories like that, we bring them into the present moment, into our life. You can uh, read the story of the Buddha or the story of Jesus in a way that it becomes really transformational for you today, tonight. And you know, I, I, I love the stories uh, uh, around Jesus, and I know, I know them all, so I picked uh, my favorite ones. <laughs> Always uh, Santa Lucia, and as a Catholic, I'm always happy to find that in Protestantic wasteland, they're still saying, <laughs> <coughs> and it's so beautiful. I remember many years I, when I was living in Vesterbrog, like really in the dark part of Copenhagen, like close to this homeless for homeless man and, uh, and I didn't know about Santa Lucia and then uh, there was this singing outside and I opened the window and there was this procession going through Vestapol <laughs> along the junkies and prostitutes and passing this uh, really dark place this uh, um, for homeless man, this place.
1: Minus
0: two. Yes. menus yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah. wow, it's like angels with light, bringing light into darkness. I guess some of you, some of the girls here, women here, they, 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 they were there. And, and so that's also a beautiful way to connect with these m- m- stories uh, you know, and with your ancestors and with your culture. You know, remembering childhood experiences. And back then you were not in a rational stage state, so something could be touched. And then quite often it is being destroyed by the shit uh, happening in church. Uh, but uh, it is one way to make uh, these experiences, to connect them with your roots, rather than uh, visualizing a, a Buddha surrounded by light. So the light, yeah, so it's beautiful that they are these lights today. Yeah. So light has such a deep meaning here in the north. The celebration of light. And here light not just, you know, light. Christ Consciousness, the light of Christ Consciousness. That's what Lucia, Santa Lucia carries. The light of Christ Consciousness. So let's uh, start with a simple... Sitting quietly, so we have some time to <coughs> arrive. If you like, you can close your eyes. If you keep your eyes open, you keep them relaxed, just letting the light in. what happens when you start to pay more attention to your inner life. There's a shift from the busyness of the day to being here, the busyness of your life. And with that comes also a shift from the head into the body. helpful you can put lightly attention to the breath so that with with each in-breath you slide into the body, even down into your feet. And as best as you can you welcome all the guests in your guest house, the body, the guest house. And then with the out breaths, there might be the possibility to soften a bit, to release. in your belly, and in your shoulders. And of course there's thoughts, but the invitation is that they become less important, so you don't emphasize them so much. There might be some tiredness or restlessness, or you bring something difficult into this (coughs) moment. And what we explore here is what happens if you let that be okay? This is how I feel. It's fine, it's okay. If you find yourself being caught or entangled in the stream of thinking without making a big deal out of it, you slide back into the belly, into your hands. There's nothing you need to think about right now, nothing you need to do. Just being here, being who you are. the control freak. And then even if there's movement in your body or in your thoughts, still you could also appreciate or acknowledge the stillness or the space which arises when we sit quietly together in the spirit of love. So let yourself be meditated by the field which arises when we sit quietly together. It's more a listening with your heart, with your belly. light, light surrounding us, as if we are sitting in the morning sun after a night of terror, just warming, or bathing in light from all directions. As if you're surrounded by angels. And our heart can reach out to all the people right now who are sitting like us in the presence of the divine in their homes or in churches and monasteries, Buddhist or non-Buddhist. There's people praying for you right now. Lama Isha says that all spiritual paths are about discovering that in our light, the kingdom of God within, as Jesus says. That's why we're here tonight, to be reminded that there is this light within in all of us and that this precious human life is an opportunity to allow that light shine through you. Resting and feeling the Buddha within, the Christ within, the Goddess within. Before I will share some of the teachings of Jesus, I would like to remind us of the, the story, the myth we actually celebrate at Christmas. And you, know, you all know the stories, the important ingredients. So there's Mary and Joseph, and they have to go to Bethlehem because Joseph was born there and there's a county. So they travel there and Mary is pregnant. And when they reach Bethlehem they don't, uh, they don't find a place in the inn. The inn is full. And then they find that stable. And then there's animals. And then there's uh, shepherds. And then there's the three wise men. And then there's that baby. And it's stupid to ask, was it like that? And when was it? It doesn't matter. It's a myth. And this myth of the virgin birth uh, you find in, in all major traditions, also in Buddhism. So what does it mean? Today, for us, The stable is the body. Christ consciousness is that, what is called in the Buddhist tradition, Buddha nature. And Christ consciousness can't be born in the inn, can't be born in the shopping mall. the animals, they represent our instinctual nature. <coughs> the star represents that pull towards the light, which many of us have felt already in childhood, that there's something more It pulls from within, but also pulls from outside. If you don't follow that call you waste your life and you know it. It's very sad. The wise man from the East, the Tibetan (laughs) Lama, Coming from the right, that's the right hemisphere of the brain. The shepherds who see the star and get afraid, and an angel appears and says, "Fürchte dich nicht." <laughs> I I've, I've know, I know I know only the German quotes. <laughs> Don't be afraid. <coughs> So the virgin birth describes like in in the in the birth of Padmasambhava so Padmasambhava is born from the lotus so Christ consciousness is is, is has no condition it has no father and mother it is there already it was never born will never die It's just waiting for us to follow the stars so that it can can shine. So Christmas is a time where we can allow that birth within us, the virgin birth. But the word Christ comes from a a Sanskrit word. The Sanskrit word is Krishna. And there's really amazing parallels between the myth around Krishna and Jesus. So we can talk about Jesus the man, and that's what I also like, because (coughs) Jesus is so earthy, so, so he suffers. But just like us, he is joyful. He hangs out with prostitutes and in pubs and drinks wine. He's a carpenter. He approaches all people. He is a, he's also a, a, a rebel, he rebels against the establishment. And he has what is called periods of the dark night of the soul, just like us. With the three temptations, in that night where his students were supposed to pray with him and they all fell asleep and he was alone. And he knew what's going to happen and he was praying, may this cup pass me. So there's so many... um, so many description within the life stories of Jesus and one does not even go need to go to the Thomas Evangelium which is not in the in the official uh, Bible and that's like the most mystic uh, gospel but even if we stick with the traditional ones like the three temptations so Jesus goes into the desert to into retreat for 40 days and uh he encounters what we all encounter when we do retreat. It's describing the process of retreat. I mean, one could just uh, uh, follow the you know the when he carries the cross, these twelve waypoints, what happens there. In the Tibetan tradition, you have the practice of tong so giving and taking. That is the practice of taking what we usually reject and give what we attach to. So it's a practice of opening to the pain in the world and giving the world what is needed. they are so beautiful when we take them in when we relive them and not seeing them as some ancient stories from the past they are a description of the, of the of the unfolding human consciousness into Christ's consciousness what I also like with Jesus is his wrath He's not, he's not a chicken. <coughs> yeah, and In the Buddhist uh, Tantric tradition, we have these wrathful deities you know, with fire and flames. That's exactly how Jesus sometimes acts. When there's unjust, he speaks out. He's not afraid. You know, after the break I want to uh, do a Jesus meditation That's what I'm saying now is a bit preparation to that so that I kind of I mean we have all different different needs or different experiences with Jesus but I, I think we all can find something which touches you so that the guru yoga with Jesus makes sense, or I call it now these days I call it the mentor bonding process. The mentor bonding process because you know the word guru is like you, you lose eighty percent of the people in the room in Scandinavia <laughs> just by mentioning the word guru. <coughs> so after the break, I and and uh, so the uh, lamae is also doing that. Uh, uh, just using the same process of the Guru Yoga uh, with Jesus. So, yeah. So imagine, like, you know, so what? One, one part what can make Guru Yoga so powerful for us is that we practice that with the living person. So we know how it feels to be in the presence of the Dalai Lama. So and then in the in the meditation you you have like a felt sense of how does unconditioned embodied unconditioned love feel because you have felt it you you, you remember your body remembers so obviously like also with guru yoga this is not worshiping so. While you do the Guru Yoga, you are aware that you are working with a projection. You you are actually using, kind of using the Dalai Lama as an outer reflection of Christ, the Christ consciousness within, the Buddha nature within. So you project it out and you see it out there. And then in the Guru Yoga, you, it dissolves and you become aware of the Dalai Lama within. So I want to say some hopefully inspiring things about Jesus, so when we call upon Jesus, you know, so not all the other stuff which you might connect with him you know, can, can rest, and, and you can connect with the essence of what Christ' consciousness stands for: Krishna consciousness. Uh, I didn't say what I wanted to say. So imagine uh, how, it I- how it is when Jesus steps into the room. He's the most sexy man you ever saw. <laughs> really. He's healthy in body and mind. He's vital. He heals people just through his presence. Not as the man Jesus, but as the embodiment of Christ Consciousness. The way he moves. The way he enjoys life. The way he eats bread and drinks wine. It's like the Dalai Lama. It's like when the Dalai Lama steps into a room of 10,000 people. It's like, you know, people start to cry. Just like like that. And most of them don't understand anything what he says. (coughs) It's just the way he blows his nose makes people so happy. (laughs) You should see it. You know, people, they travel so, 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 such long distance to hear him laugh. or Hardly anyone goes there for the teachings because they are beyond most of the people. It's just a man. Yeah. And that makes also the Dalai Lama so inspiring. He's a man. He's on earth, just like Jesus. We would all fall in love with with Jesus when he would come into this room. He would silence all your pity worries. Self-centered, narcissistic self-importance, silence.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so like you no know, when I read the stories of Jesus, I can feel him. I don't read these stories as, you know, some Something which happens two thousand years ago, I can, I can feel him, I can feel the man, I can feel his love and, it, and his vitality, his joy, but also his suffering and that's so i mean that's so wonder I mean that's so inspiring with Jesus, you know Buddha is a bit kind of he's above you know kind of. He's already enlightened. I mean, in the Tibetan tradition, he's, he has been enlightened from the beginning. Yeah? But Jesus is, is sweating and bleeding, and he is doubting and he is struggling the whole story. Uh, up to the end. And then we kind of think, yeah. Like we be, it's like also with the Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist myth. Uh, you know, our rational mind then reject these stories, and that's that's like rejecting a poem, because it doesn't make sense to the rational mind, and then missing what is actually uh, what is actually the the human experience the artist wants to express through his art some people, they go to a museum and look at painting and they look at the description where this is painted and what style it is and, and they miss the painting. So, and the same happens with these stories. We miss the message. I want to start with one of uh, my favorite stories. This is a life-changer,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> this story. And I still remember when I, I guess I've heard, I've heard I mean, I, I, I was raised in a Catholic family, so, and I loved the, the, my children's Bible, it was my favorite book. And. Um, so I guess I have heard this story uh, before, but I still remember when I got it uh, and it was, I was around 10 and we went to this small church every Sunday and I, I still remember the priest uh, telling the story and I, I kind of downloaded downloaded it and it had an impact on my, on my life, it still has. So this is the story where um, there's a, a woman, and uh, she w- she is, uh, she, is uh, she she was unfaithful, and her uh, and her punishment was stoning to death. <coughs> so it's uh, the scene uh, where you know the man they surrounding this woman, this young woman, and they had these big stones in their hands. And they were just about to stone that woman to death. So now we are kind of in a desert-like area. So it's good to kind of feel these stories. And we can all imagine that kind of um, self-righteous man. And of course, this is describing an aspect of us. So that's the thing, the self-righteousness, the puffed up, oh, how can anyone do this? This needs to be punished. They are evil. This, this person is evil. Yeah. And we have the right to kill that person because it's an evil person. So Jesus steps in. Imagine, Jesus steps in, embodied Christ consciousness into the scene. And he just says one sentence. And I quote now from Matthew. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Let him, who is without sin, cast the first stone. Silence. In the Buddhist uh, teachings, they call these moments the roar of the lion. And when the lion roars in the jungle, whole jungle gets quiet yeah. and because he is an embodiment of Christ consciousness these words are very powerful so the men become self aware and they all drop the stone and just walk away Evil is not out there. It's in you, it's in us. And the only the only response respond, the only response to evil can be love. It's the only thing which makes sense for Christ Consciousness. Read these stories. I'm I'm actually, I was, uh, you know, initially, uh, I mean, in the Buddhist teachings, of course, in the Mahayana tradition, in the Tibetan tradition, of course, they talk a lot about compassion and love, but um, there's something in the, in the, in Jesus' energy which I was missing. So in my own practice, I was really happy that I never lost the connection with Jesus and I brought it into, into, my, into my Buddhist studies. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I felt something was missing. Maybe it is, it is this need also to have this connection with my ancestors and with my childhood. So one of the really powerful uh, teaching of Jesus and it comes up in different uh, settings and different situations is love your enemies. (coughs) And I just give you an example for Matthew again. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. And, and you know, so that, that's like a recurring theme in the life story of Jesus that he turns to the outcast. He turns to, to the ones who are, uh, who are uh, rejected because they are evil. <coughs> they are the bad people. They are not part of the tribe. That's where Jesus turns to. If you only those, if you... If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. I like that, you know. It's like... Even corrupt tax collectors do like that. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? And you know, so there is this, this is also good. Uh, Why do you see the splinter in the eye of the other and don't see the big beam in your own eye? So this is really like shadow work. At one point, we realize that we never, ever can point to someone and say, How can you do this? You are evil. Because if you turn that around, you know exactly how you can do that. How you can rape. How you can torture. How you can be violent. You know. Because you're doing it. We are doing it. Not you know, because we are so suppressed and cultivated, not in, in, maybe not in big ways, but you know, in our sneaky, <laughs> suppressed ways, we rape. We are violent. We torture. And if you now feel, no, no, I'm, I'm such a good person. You're lying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have
0: not looked deep enough. You have been grown and raised in a, in, a, in a country where there was always water, food and shelter. So also, now another topic. You know, actually, Jesus was, talk, was teaching the power of now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, you don't need to read Eckhart Tolle. Read Jesus.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So, just one example of Jesus teaching the power of now. <laughs> so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Mm-hmm. Today's trouble is enough for today. Ah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the power of now. So... Uh, <coughs> you no, know, like, you no. Know, this evening is quite fine for all of us. Yeah? So, right this moment, yeah? so, you all well fed, and you had water today, and you mm-hmm. all have shelter tonight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, so, it, we are fine, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we 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 made it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. for today, it can change. But for today, we are safe. On the way home, we are not afraid to be hit by snipers. So, we could relax. We could be here. But instead, we go to the problems of tomorrow, which are, if you investigate into the nature of the problems of tomorrow, like how they exist, they exist as story, as fantasy. And it will be different anyway. Yeah. And some people really love to go to the problems in the past. I mean... We basically can fuck up any good moment in our life <laughs> by, by not being here. This is the power of now. That's present moment awareness. In present moment, of, uh, in present moment awareness, we are, almost, we, we are almost always fine. Not always, but almost always, particularly if you live in Denmark. (laughs) And it's amazing how we destroy that for us. So this is... So here, this is not enough to just kind of see that and agree with that. But it is then actually a practice of being able to do that. Of noticing when you are not doing that and bringing your mind back. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. The best preparation for tomorrow worries is to be here. The best preparation for the problem tomorrow is to do what is most important and that is to connect with the light within. Because then, if you do this today, it will be there for you also tomorrow. So, the way you want to be tomorrow Connected with what is really important to you. Connected with your heart. That's how we want to be tomorrow. The way to make that happen is to be there now. This is all we have. If there's something like reality, which is debatable, then it's certainly now. You see, the past is... Gone, the future has not happened yet, this is, this is the power of now. Oh, there is so much I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, for the, uh, before the break, uh, I want to go to his last words. So he's hanging there on the cross after having practiced Tong Len.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. So, and again, it's so good to kind of make it, you know, to go into the scene. Not with the question, did this ever happen? And how did they put people on the cross? And they didn't nail them? No, so, but just to get, get the scene, to get the feeling, what kind of what kind of experience is being described in this myth. It's a myth. Maybe there was never someone like Jesus. I think there was, but it doesn't matter. So there's, he's hanging there. And uh, so the last words, they are actually different in the four Gospels but I, I put them together as a sequence. <laughs> it's a more beautiful one. I'm, I'm a bit creative uh, with, with myth, yeah? Because it, it, it doesn't matter if he said something or not. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So the first thing, forgiveness. Yeah? So that's a big thing in the... The teachings of, the, uh, of Jesus, forgiveness. So not, now, forgiveness not like as um, no, I need to forgive, but um, forgiveness as a process which rests on the insight into the fundamental innocence of everyone and the insight why, why are people violent? Where does that come from? Why do we do, we, why do we do these stupid things? Destroying this planet, going to war. So these are not evil people who are doing this. So from the Buddhist point of view, we, we all, all of us, we act like that out of confusion, out of ignorance. We act like that because we have lost the connection with Christ consciousness. And that is Forgiveness. And it can't be just decided like, or it can't be like a, a, like a you know, something, yeah, I need to forgive. No? There's profound work to do in order for forgiveness to arise. So, in one of the Gospels, his last words are, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do hanging on the cross, having just having had this three days of torture, of carrying the cross, his students abandoning him, one of his students delivering him to the Romans. One of the students, Petrus, I don't know how he is called in English, uh, denying that he is connected to them. He is alone. And he, he, has, not, he has done nothing, nothing bad. And what he says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So then, this is really powerful. God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the dark night of the soul. The end of his life. You know, having, all, having had all this mystical experience, you know, feeling one with God, and, Having that this power streaming out of them, you know raising raising dead, healing lepers, uh, fighting demons. Yeah. And and then having these crises in between, you know, the three temptations, and then in that night when he is abandoned by his students, and then and then and then you would think. Ah, there will be a good end of the story. <laughs> like, no, his last words in one of the Gospels is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we, 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 as part of a genuine awakening, uh, the dark night of, a, of the soul is part of the journey. Out, losing, losing trust, losing faith, losing your sangha, your teacher messing up, the lineage broken, yeah. or you have powerful experiences which are so difficult that you know you 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 feel it's just hopeless, the whole thing. So and then the third from another gospel. So that's the last words. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Father, in your hands, I commit my I commit my spirit. So that's the surrender. That's the surrender into Christ consciousness. That's the surrender into unconditional love. That's leaving behind the egoic structure. That's leaving behind your agenda and becoming a a tool or becoming a, a portal for Christ consciousness to come through, through you. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Complete surrender. Okay, so let's have a break and then we
1: will uh, have our encounter with Jesus. (laughs)